I want to take a look at the very opening pasuk of this parsha. Uh, Parshat Yitro, of course, is huge, not in size. It's actually relatively small in size, but in its significance. Mamad Ar Sinai, the Aserat Adibrot, really the first half of the whole story of Mamad Ar Sinai that concludes in Parshat Mishpatim and doesn't really conclude ever. Um, and the opening chapter is, for the most part, overlooked because it's the whole interaction with Yitro and Moshe, which is important, but takes a back seat to Matan Torah. And I want to look just at the first word, actually, of the parasha. The first word is not Yitro, the first word is Vaishma. All right, Vaishma Yitro Koen Midian. Now, we'll take a look at the Pasuk, and you will see that there is a syntactical difficulty here. Vaishma Yitro Koen Midian Chotein Moshe. All right, Yitro heard, and we now identify who Yitro is. In the past, we talked about what Chotein is, father-in-law, brother-in-law. Everything that God did for Moshe in Israel. Right? Now, the key here is a little bit difficult, but really not supremely difficult. It indicates that what Yitro heard about was the Exodus. All right? Now, the, the, the difficulty is that at no point is there a specificated piece about the Exodus that he hears, that we hear that, that motivates him to come. There's a little difficulty in here as well. We're again re- uh, told who Yitro is, Choten Moshe. We're told that Tzipora is ancient Moshe, which is either her, his daughter or his sister. Okay, and we didn't know that they had separated, but it was obvious because Moshe is operating Mitzrayim and the family's out there. Ve'etshnei vaneha. Vaneha is a, a curious word instead of banav. And uh, the indication here is uh, about Gershom, who we already heard about, heard about him being born in Perak Bet. And we're told the reason. And again, his name and the reason are repeated because we, we heard that when he was born. And then we hear that there was another kid who we never heard about, unless maybe in that strange inter- encounter in the lodge. B'shem Hayachad Eliezer, not Shem Hasheni, by the way. Shem Hayachad Eliezer. And we're told the reason why his name is Eliezer. Ki paro. God help me and save me from the sword of Paro, which seems to be when Moshe successfully ran away from Mitzrayim, which means that when he's in Midian, his sons are named after two things about him being in Midian. One is that he's a stranger, and the other is that he got there because he successfully fled the sword of Pharaoh. Okay. Why we're told this here is a little bit odd. Why do we have to hear about that? We'll get to it. And now, So Yitro and his sons, which is odd because they're his grandsons, maybe, right, or his nephews, and Ishto, so it's Choten Moshe Uvanavi Ishto. Again, the syntax is a little odd because it's Moshe's sons and wife, and it should be wife and sons. Uh, he comes to that place, okay, where they're camping at, at the mountain of God. By the way, which it seems to imply nothing about the timing. Does he come because of they're camping there, and he found out that they were nearby, because remember, Harsinai is not far from where Yitro lives, because Moshe got to Harsinai the first time when he was shepherding Yitro's flock. Um, or does he come because this momentous thing of Matan Torah has already happened, 
Big Machloka Rishon, we're going to see it in a minute. There's a formal announcement. I've come to you. Right? And he announces this. It's like a royal delegation. So Moshe comes out to greet him. Moshe bows to him. Right? And he kisses him. And they say, how are you? They greet each other. And they come into the tent. Now it sounds like Moshe is telling two things. He's telling him about Yitziat Mitzrayim, meaning the Makot, and perhaps even Kriyat Yamsuf, and then all the troubles that they had on the on the way, which is the hunger and the thirst, etc., and the war of Amalek, perhaps. And Yitro becomes very happy and overjoyed. Again, the focus is back about saving them from Mitzrayim, not about making it in, on, on the road, on the path. Second guy in history to say Baruch Hashem, who was the first? Avram slave. And again, his focus is, thank God who saved you from Egypt and from Paro. He saved the nation from Mitzrayim. Again, the whole focus is Mitzrayim. And now this priest, who's the head of a, a pagan Bedouin nation, acknowledges that Hashem is the greatest of all gods. Unclear what that means, we'll get to it. And then, So Yitro brings Korbanot. And they all eat these korbanot in the presence of God. What does in the presence of God mean? The Ibn Ezra actually claims that this whole thing happened after the Mishkan was constructed, and that's what Lifnei Elohim means. Um, most Rishonim maintain that this story is out of order and that it takes place after Matan Torah. It's only Ramban who insists on reading it chronologically uh, per the text, uh, which means Lifnei Elohim must mean something else. But not our problem. Our problem is the first word. But it's not just the first word, because I gave you all 12 sukim here of the first section, because that, that all speaks to it. Rashi on the spot. Every kid in school knows this. Now, Rashi here says something that's odd, but he didn't make it up. It comes from an odd source earlier than Rashi. What he's, what, he's motivate, what he's asking is, what caused Yitro to arrive? That seems to be what he's asking, because in the fuller treatment of it, which you see here in the Mechilta, and you see also in the parallel in Masachet Zvachim, taken from the Mechilta, evidently, by Yishma Yitro, source three, what did he hear that caused him to come? And we have a Machloket, Melchemet Amalek because because the very the end of last week's parsha is Muhammad Malik. It's the very thing right before it. That's what Bishua's opinion. He said, No, he heard Matan Torah. And by the way, this of course is the Machloket about whether the things happen in order or not. Did Yitro show up right after the war of Amalek following the order? Or did Yitro show up after Matan Torah and the order is not chronologically uh, accurate? And then we have Rabbi Eliezer saying, Kriyat Yamsuf Shema'ova. Hear about Kriyat Yamsuf. Now, these three opinions show up also in Zvachim. It's parallel sugya. So I want to ask the question is, what's behind this dispute? Like, isn't the answer to this question obvious? It says it right in the opening pasuk. He heard what Hashem did 
to Mitzrayim, that he took Bnei Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. And he says explicitly, I know that Hashem is the greatest one because of what he did to Mitzrayim. And he took you out of Mitzrayim. So why are we asking what caused him to come? The opening pasuk that I slightly misrepresented as being syntactically problematic, did that to wake you up, but it's actually not. It says quite clear, Yitro heard what Hashem did to Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim, he took us out of Mitzrayim, and he came. But now we've got to roll back a, 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 another level, is why are we even asking the question why Yitro came? Yitro came for a very obvious reason, which is right there in the opening Pesukim, which is he came to reunite Moshe with his family. After all, when Moshe left Midian to go to Mitzrayim and get involved in what turned out to be the most significant enterprise in Jewish history, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, he left his family behind. He left his wife and a son who we'd already met and another son that we maybe already met, but we never heard about and didn't hear his name. Okay. And now, months later, however long it was, Moshe is now free out in the desert with Bnei Yisrael. It's time to reunite the family. So Yitro leaves his flock, sorry for the pun, but intended, and brings Tzipporah and Gershom and Eliezer to Moshe, and they greet. So why are you asking why did he come? It's a strange question. And so I pose that here at the, at the bottom. What's the machloket about? But, but why, why even ask the question? We know why he came. So I think that there's something going on, something else going on here. We have to look carefully at the parashah. But before that, I want to go back to the war against Amalek. Because I think the key to this whole question is about the war against Amalek, but it's bigger than that. Yitro's big declaration is Baruch Hashem. We love that one. And he says, I now know that Hashem is the greatest of all gods. How does he know it? Whatever that may mean, and we'll take a look at it. What is it that got Yitro to modify, change, fine-tune his belief, however we want to read it, whatever Yitro's belief system was before, but it's changed. He says, now I know, I've come to a realization. What is it that caused him to come to this realization? And what is that realization? In other words, saying Hashem is the greatest of all gods, fine, what does that mean? And what is it that caused him to see that? So I want to go back to the war against Amalek. In the Mechilta, at the end of Parsha B'Shalach, we have the following machloket. And notice who's involved in the machloket. Rabbi Lazar Hamodai, parenthetically, where is Rabbi Lazar Hamodai from? He's from Modin. Rabbi Lazar Hamodai, Omer Vayavor Malek, he quotes the Pasuk Vayavor Malek in Parshat B'Shalach. Amalek nichnas tachat anan. Amalek was sneaking in under the Anan, meaning sneaking into the, the, the sanctified camp, and swiping people from the camp. In other words, he, Amalek was brazen-faced in a sneaky way against God, violating God's protective cloud, kidnapping people and killing them. And what's his proof text? Asher karcha baderech, and here's the kicker, so how does Rabbi Lazar Modai read it? He says, he encountered you on the way. He took the tail, took the, from the tail, all the weak ones. You were tired and thirsty. And who didn't fear God? Amalek didn't fear God. The problem of is unspecified who it's talking about. 
Because on the one hand, we're describing Amalek and his pasuk and their behavior. On the other hand, we're describing Bnei Yisrael's station of being tired and hungry and thirsty. So he says, Elohim means Amalek did not fear God. Amalek violated um, God's, God's sanctified place. And Amalek's brazenness is what happened. Acherim omrim, Elohim elu Yisrael. Who is it who didn't fear God? Am Yisrael didn't fear God. Adam mitzvot. And by the way, what is the parsha immediately before Vayavu Amalek? Am Yisrael testing God about the water. You're in the same place, in Rifidim. And so the connection is quite clear. Am Yisrael comes to Rifidim. They've already seen that God provides them with water. They start fetching and complaining. And God calls it Masa'u Meriva, a place of testing and quarreling with God. And the end of that part is really upsetting because is God with us or not with us? It's a huge faith crisis. And what happens immediately if I have all my So Acherim say, who do you think of as Elohim? You didn't fear God. That's why Amalek was able to attack you. Which means we have a fundamental disagreement about the war with Amalek. Does the war of Amalek happen because Amalek is inherently evil and they're anti-God and they're terrible, etc.? And we are innocent victims, or is Amalek partially our doing? That we open the door with our own lack of faith and our own bad behavior. It's a huge machloka. Notice that Rabbalazar Modai takes the position that Amalek were the sinners. Okay, now let's go to Mitzachat Megillah, and it's going to impact on Kriyat Megillah. As you all know, the mitzvah of Kriyat Megillah is a contentious mitzvah. It's a contentious mitzvah on two grounds. First is the canonization of the book of, of Esther. Problem, machloket, into the third century. And the second problem with it is, granted there's a canonization of the book, but legislation of a mitzvah to read the Megillah, it's yet a problem, and as the Ramban puts it in, in his commentary on Sefer Dvarim, it's a problem of Baltosif, you're adding mitzvot. And, and the sugyot, uh, spell that out in, uh, in the Bavli and the Ushalmi, right? So in the Bavli, here is a, the core part of the sugya that we need. Shalchalahem Esther Lachachamim, source six, Kitvuni Ledorot, said, I want to be written for generations. What that means in rabbinic lingo is, I want my book to become part of the canon. Shalchula, they sent back a message, Halo Katavti Lach Shalishim, and they quote a pasuk from Mishlei. The Pasuk from Mishlei says, have I not written wise advice to you? However, they're playing with the word shalishim and saying, oh, shalishim velo ribeim. In other words, this story that you are recording is a story that's already been told three times in Tanakh, three separate events, and therefore there's no room for a fourth event, which itself is a wild statement. Wait, we can only have three zechel etziat mitzrayims? We have dozens. We can only have three mentions of Shabbat. We have dozens. Why can we only have three mentions of a war against Amalek? Itself is a question. And the solution is even stranger. Because the notion here is that the the only justification, Esther, that we can have for including your story in Tanakh, is if it's an expansion of the story of Amalek. But the story of Amalek has already been told three times, and three is the max. We've maxed out. Why? So let's take a look at the development of the sugya. How did they get Esther into the canon? According to this, they found a pasuk in the Torah that hinted to 
Esther, where our pasuk, Ktov Zotzikaron Basefer, the pasuk at the end of Bishalach that's kicking into, into Yitro. Ktov Zotzikaron Basefer. What does Hashem tell Moshe after the successful defense of Am Yisrael by Yoshua and his men? Write this for a commemoration in a scroll. The drasha is Ktov Zot, Mashakatuv Khan of Mishnei Torah. In other words, write down, canonize a text about the story that's here in Bishalach and in Dvarim. Because what's Dvarim? Dvarim is remembering what happened in Bishalach. It's one story. Amalek attacking us on the road. One is the event, and one is the mitzvah to remember. One, that's one. Zikaron, what's Zikaron? The second word in the Pasuk, Mashkatu Banavim. That's a whole different event. And by the way, that plays out very differently. That is a war that actually, in matter of fact, of the event of the war, we started. Shaul went to, to attack Agag's people. Agag had done terrible things, and the people had done terrible things, they deserved it. But it was initiated by us. And Basefer, what's Basefer? Mashakatu Bamagilah. Oh, so there's another word, Basefer, that leaves room for a third mention. And again, this seems to be very much gameplay. Ooh, we found three words, and da-da-da, so then we got room for Megillah Esther. It's not so. It's much deeper. And then we point out Kitanoi, and look who is, shows up in Arachol Kitanoi. Ketov Zot, Mashkatuv Kan, Zikaron, Mashkatuv Mishnei Torah, Basefer, Mashkatuv Banavim, Divrei, Rabbi Yoshua. What's Rabbi Yoshua's opinion in that pasuk? It allows for one, the story in Bashalach, two, the commemoration in Zachor, Three, Shaul, no room for Esther. And by the way, Yeshua is of the opinion that Esther doesn't belong in the canon. Rabbi Lazar Modei Omer, uh-uh. B'Shalach and Ketet Tzor one. Zikaron mashkatu b'anavim, v'asefer mashkatu b'amigilah. Aha. So we have a machloket, which seems to be a very pedantic machloket, about how to read the word zot. Is Zot referring only to the event right there in Bashalach? And there's a separate remembrance, Zikaron, Zachort in which case there's only one more word, and that's Shaul. And again, why are we limited by three? It's very odd. So I'd like to propose the following The war against Amalek is understood by Chazal, and it's understood really from simple pshat. The war against Amalek is understood as not just a perennial war. It is an um, omniversal war, an omnitemporal war. It is the, the constant battle that we have. Now, the battles that we have happen for several reasons. They happen because there is evil in the world. And when there's evil in the world, one of the things that it attempts to do, that, it, that it's driven to do, is to wipe out good. Because good gets in its way for all sorts of reasons. Psychologists will say it this way, and political scientists will say it that way, theologians will say it a third way, but it's reality. Bad can't stand good. That's one. Second of all, there's another reason that this stuff happens. It happens because we fail. We fail to embrace our special position in the world, our special standing in the world. In Katonata Benacha, as Shmuel says to Shaul at that scene, you think you're so small, you're not so small. 
we fail to embrace our greatness and to, and to live up to who we're supposed to be. And when that happens, it opens the door for, for attacks. That's the second thing. And there's yet a third component to the war against Amalek, which is Amalek is part of a historic, meta-historic battle. In other words, we're players in a historic drama in which it rises above the particular virtues of the individual generation and group. The opening that might happen may be because the evil got strong or because the arm became weak. But the reality is it's, it is an, uh, an, an eternal war. Hashem says it. God calls it what it is. On the Pasuk in, in Amos, that Edom held on to its anger forever, the Midrash says, Bimehaman. Purim is just, just another piece of that puzzle. So now, let's go back to the Gemara Megillah. Gemara Megillah says that Chachamim said to Esther, there's no room for Megillah, Esther, and Tanakh because there's only room for three mentions of Amalek. Why? There's no reason to mention Amalek a lot. We want to wipe them out. We don't want to keep mentioning their name. Because we have to identify Amalek as the essential evil that attacks. We also have to identify Amalek as the one that takes advantage of our own weakness. And we have to identify Amalek as the historic Amalek, the meta-historic Amalek. Okay, now let's take a look at the sugya. We have the story of Amalek attacking us in the desert. What's that about? Is that about our own weakness? Or is that about their evil? So what does Rabbi Yeshua say? Rabbi Yeshua says it's about our own weakness. And therefore, there's, uh, sorry, he says that, that, the, that in B'Shalach, it's their attack. What happens in, uh, in Zahor? We're supposed to remember that it's when we don't fear God that they're able to attack, which means both of those prongs are there. What's the story of Shaul about? The story of Shaul and Agag is the story of history. Shmuel introduces it that way. God says, I am now going to hold them accountable for what their ancestors did when you left Mitzrayim. And so all three prongs are there. Esther, there's no room for your story anymore because the prong of Am Yisrael's failure, opening, allowing them in, that's already covered in, uh, in Kitetze. The story of Am Yisrael's being attacked by ultimate evil, that's in Bishalach. And the, the meta-historic story, that's in Nevim. There's no room for you. What does Rabbi Lazar Modei come along and say? You know who the evil ones in Kitetze are? Who's the lawyer Elohim? Amalek. There's one story in the Torah, and it's a story of Amalek's absolute evil. If that's the case, then what's the story in Shaul? It's the historic battle against Amalek. What's left? There's room for a third story. And it's painful to say, but it's accurate right in the Megillah. We also have to tell the story of how Amalek attacks us when we fail to live up to who we are. Open up Megillah Esther and you will see a tragedy unfolding. Not the tragedy of the decree, the tragedy of who we are. The Beit HaMikdash has been rebuilt and there's a tiny community in Yerushalayim suffering terribly. In the meantime, Jews are naming their kids with pagan names and living a fun life in Persia, having a great time. What happens? 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this Gemara in, in Sanhedrin. Am Yisrael doesn't do tshuva. What happens? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ma'amid Melech, Shizerotav, Kizerot Haman. God sets up a king with Kizerot, like Haman Kizerot, and they have to do tshuva. In other words, the story of Megillah Esther fills that third prong that a corner of Belazer Modai didn't exist before. Okay. Now let's roll it back and look at our Mechilta. In our Mechilta, what happens? What is it that Yitro heard? According to your Rabbi Yeshua, he heard Mechemet Amalek. According to Yeshua, what's Mechemet Amalek? Evil comes to attack us, and we're able to beat it, beat it back. Rabbi Lezer Modai says, no, that can't be what he heard. Because if that's what he heard, what did he hear? He heard that Am Yisrael's weak. Am Yisrael's failing, right? Uh, Okay, let me roll it back. Keep all the balls in the air. What, according to Yeshua, what happened? In Mechemet HaMalek, Am, Am Yisrael was weak. Right? What is it that Yitro hears? Yitro hears that God has selected Am Yisrael and made them his nation and will save them even when they are not worthy. Rolazah says, that's not what's happening here. I mean, so I was worried. There's just bad evil. So God saved them. That's no different than the story of Mitzrayim. Please take a look at the story of Yitro, and you'll see where this plays out. Yitro says, and I highlighted it, same parsha, but I highlighted it. What does Yitro hear? He says, about everything that Hashem did to Moses, he took us out of Mitzrayim. He saved us from Mitzrayim. And look at the word that he uses over and over and over, vayatsi lame, vayatsi lame, vayatsi lame. He saved them. Why did he save them? What's the saving about? He's saving them because even though they're not worthy, he's pulling them out. He's got a breed with them that trumps their current spiritual status. The breed is forever. That's what Yitro is motivated by. So you ask the question, why do we need any motivation at all? After all, he's there to reunite the family. Of course. Our question isn't why is Yitro there. Our question is why does the Torah mention it? And why does the Torah make all of this fanfare about Yitro's arrival? And why does the Torah have to repeat the names of Moshe's kids, including, critically, Elohei Aviva, Ezri, Vayatzi, Leinim, Paro? Because the whole story of Yitro, what motivates him to come and praise God the way he does and reevaluate his orientation towards theology is because Gadol Adonai Kol Alein, Kiva Davar Shazadu Aleim. Am Yisrael is God's people, and God protects them even when they fail. That's something I wasn't familiar with. And that's what motivates Yitro to come. That loyalty of God towards his people. And therefore, back to the beginning, Rabbi Yoshua, who says that it was Am, that Am Yisrael who was failing in her, at Amalek, that's why he says what, what Yitro came to heard was Muhammad Amalek. Rabbi Lozimodai says that's not going to Muhammad Amalek is not going to inspire Yitro because that's no different than Yitzhak Mitzrayim. God saved a deserving people from a brutal overlord. So therefore, it's Matan Torah, which is a whole different story and a beautiful Agadah here. What I tried to present here, a couple of back and forth because keep the opinions straight. But what I, what I presented here was that the, dif- the disagreement between the Tanaim about what motivated Yitro to come is not just grounded in parshanut, meaning in do we read the story as happening in order or not, and do we read smichata parshiot, the fact that the story right before Yitro is Muhammad Amalek, and therefore that informs it. I think it's on a much deeper level. You read through Yitro's arrival and you see Yitro is motivated 
in his praise for God, in his eating korbanot in front of God, in his praising God, you see that he's motivated by some theological revelation. And that revelation is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a connection to Am Yisrael, which surpasses their temporal station. And even if they fail, he takes care of them. And therefore, um, he, uh, he, he, he sees, even though Am Yisrael sinned, even though Am Yisrael is Elohim, God still saves them. He says, as far as I'm concerned, Muhammad Amalek is just an extension of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And therefore, it's no different than Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and that's already in the Psukim. So it must be something else. And since Rabbi Lezer Modai holds Ein Muktam Muchar Torah, he says it's all about Matan Torah, and then we have all these beautiful Psukim. Okay? Hopefully, uh, a new way of looking at what we see, at what we see here. Everybody have a great week, and I'll see you in Mirza Hashem next week.